Praise God. Good morning, family. I am uh, excited again today that we get to hear from a friend of the Crossing Church, uh, a brother in Christ, a pastor down in Alexandria, Louisiana. His name is Vincent Smith. I'll call him up in just a second. If you don't know, we are in a series, Voices, and we are um, looking to hear from the voices of others to speak into the life of our church. And so I'm glad that you've shown up for this, knowing that we don't have it figured out. We, we still have a lot to learn, but also there's work being done all over. God's been faithful to be at work in this city, which we've heard our first two sermons in the series have been from this city and the state, which we hear today. And then the, the last two will be all around the world. God is at work. Uh, and so there's reason to be encouraged and reason to be hopeful for the future of this church and the future of the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to invite my friend and brother up, Vincent Smith. And I'm going to pray for him before he leads us in a proclamation of truth um, with what the Spirit has put on his heart. But I also want to say, Vince is not only a pastor and friend, he is uh, one of my longest time friends. Is that a word? Longest time friends? That's a phrase? That's a phrase. Longest time friends. Uh, he has uh, been a good one. And so I encourage you, if you want a friend, he's a good one to have. Uh, get to know him. Love him well while he's with us. Um, and, and let it be known that he's not here to make much of himself or his church, but about God. And I can say that uh, without even asking him because we're that close. I know, I know that's his heart. He wants us to be encouraged and equipped. So let's pray in gratitude and for our brother. Uh, Lord, I'm so grateful for who you are. And on this, this Father's Day, for being a loving father, for being what none of us could be in our own strength and our own abilities, for being perfect in every way and doing everything necessary to make us your own, adopting us into this family. And so we first celebrate a Father who has loved us and saved us. And we know that you are faithful not only to do that, but to equip us for this mission you've sent us on. And, and so I pray for my brother this morning as he seeks to study your word and, and find the, the ways to communicate it clearly, uh, but not just to be a good preacher, but to see you glorified more, to, to call your people to what you've called us to, to equip the people for the mission you've sent us on. And so I pray that he would, would feel near to you in this moment, that he would see the Holy Spirit moving in him and through him in this moment, that we would be encouraged and equipped because of the gifts you've given him and the power of your spirit to move and work and do supernatural things. Save souls this morning, Lord. Save the lost. Sanctify your saints. And let us be encouraged by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Crossing Church, good morning. You guys are looking good. I like that, Thomas. I appreciate it. That was much received. Um, let me uh, just say it is an honor uh, to stand in this space as a pastor of a church. Um, it is, um, you, you, you learn that you just don't share uh, your pulpit with anybody. And part of that reason is that you want to make sure that who's teaching your people, um, that they are in line and in connection and in submission to the word of God. And so it's just so um, I count it an honor. So, um, of course, brother, thank you for having me. Um, I, I call it uh, for sure an honor to do to do that and uh, to 
Jared in his absence and Scott. I've known these uh, brothers uh, for a while and to see uh, when this church began and to see uh, how God has used, hey Shelby, uh, see how God has um, used um, the work here. I'm just so encouraged and uh, so I want to speak a little bit to um, just that this morning. So um, while you have your Bibles and while I'm trying to make sure my iPad works, go to First Thessalonians chapter 5. Um, my wife is here with me, my, my, my boo thing, uh, my little mama uh, has made me uh, happy, happy. So happy Father's Day to all of you daddies out there. Um, so First Thessalonians chapter 5. Y'all know my daughter's name is Nora too, right? So they have so much in common. And they're our friends. They come hang out with us. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Y'all there? I don't know how y'all do, but where we from, we stand for the reading of the word. So if y'all cool with that, we want to stand and do that together this morning. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll start at verse 12, and then we will go uh, down to verse 14. And then I'm going to skip down to verse 23 and 24. You got to say amen. All right. Hear these words from the word. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Oh, that's so heavy. I'm going to say that one more time. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord. Watch this. And admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. All right. Um, and verse 14, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle. I like this thing. Admonish the idle. Let me say that again. Admonish the idle. Encourage the faint hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with them all. Now verse, let's skip to verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless. Let the church say blameless. Come on, help me. Let the church say blameless. May kept blameless um, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful he will surely do it. Let me say that one more time. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. If you mind for my sanctification, let me pray one more time. Father God, in the name of Jesus, would you um, speak to us right now, God? Would you hide your servant behind the cross? All of you be seen, God, and none of me. Let the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer, we love you. The people of God said... Amen. All right. You can sit down and my iPad is working. Thank you, God. Thank you. I was worried about that. Um, all right. So um, I know God bless Parker. Don't do stuff like that, man. Y'all, listen, if you haven't caught it yet, like I am a preacher who has a little bit of ADD, so I will talk to people in the middle when I see things. So um, y'all pray for me. I'm trying to do my best. This Parker here. Like, come on, man. Like, anyway. All right. So here, here's background. Appreciate where we're going. Okay. The church at Thessalonica was established during Paul's second missionary journey. Now, Paul penned the letter in Corinth around 50, 51 AD, and the first half of the book is addressing the good things 
he is hearing. The second half of the book is addressing them based off the latest reports he's gathered from his son, the ministry, Timothy. Now, Thessalonica is located in Macedonia, an important area at the Gulf is rich in agriculture. About 100,000 people in this city, okay? They had been through rough season financially, and they came back into stability because of Roman aid and benefaction. There were essentially Roman ambassadors who moved to the area to maintain the social strata and dominance of the city. These ambassadors maintained what we called a patronage, where they hire certain people to serve as the layers of connection to the city. Um, so what was happening was, is that in Thessalonica, there are people who are natives of Rome who have moved in to set up shop. And they're setting up shop, and Rome is pretty intent about who they send to go in cities to be these benefactors and ambassadors because they want people in positions of influence so that they make sure that in every sphere of the city, whether it's in business, it's in agriculture, whatever it is, they want to make sure every sphere of the city, we've got somebody connected. So at the end, it flows back to Roman rule. Well, I like this thing already. And the part of this is, is that what Paul is addressing and writing to is a group of people who are all connected in a body of believers that are called to be the church. And you have so many different various groups and styles of people that are trying to learn and understand what it means to come together and be the church, all while just now being able to figure out some stability that they have. Like this, this, this area, um, Thessalonica, had gone through it financially. This is a, a church, um, this is an area that they had not really got their feet from back under them. And now that they have they realized that part of it was, in, was due to the fact that a Roman helped them out. Rome helped them out to get them where they are. But So what do you do when you've been called to bring gospel light to a city, but part of the reason that you're thriving is because of the place God puts you in, and some of the place that God puts you in is from people and influences that don't believe like you. Part of the reason that you're doing better is because of the place that God puts you in is because you don't necessarily agree and follow in line. You don't necessarily go out to dinner and say, these people are my bestos for the restos. And you wouldn't do all of that stuff because I don't know if we live the same. But however, the city has benefited from it. So there are people in the church, people in this church, in this body of believers, in this community that are trying to figure out how do I become submissive in the body of Christ to connect myself to a local church, to be connected to a body of believers, all the while I got a good job in the city. I feel that thing. I got a good job in the city. And the good job I have in the city, that means there are at times I feel the tug of lordship. I feel the tug to do what Rome tells me to do and the tug to tell me to do what Paul tells me to do. So they're struggling right now. They're struggling right now because here it is. Paul has left. Paul is writing this letter um, away. He's writing this letter in Corinth. And you know what he's doing in Corinth. The exact same thing that he's doing when he was here. Paul is on his missionary journey. 
And so here's what's going on. Let me just get to the text. Y'all looking at me funny. Verse 12. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work and be at peace amongst yourselves. Okay. Paul's teeing this thing up. The better terminology that we should say here is we urge you. We urge you to do what, what's the basic tenets here? To respect and esteem. Paul is telling church to respect and esteem because of the way they labor among you, the way that they admonish you. I'm getting to that word in a minute. But this urging was to respect and esteem. Now watch this, church. Not because of the position. They respect and esteem not because of the office. Respect and esteem because of the work. That means in the local body of believers, you have pastors and elders and ministry leaders who should be laboring for and with the church. And the reason that they deserve respect and esteem is because of the work that is being done. Now, this is the cool thing I like about being a guest preacher, Parker, is I can come in and say some of this stuff. Because here's a problem that we have a little bit in church at times. I would struggle to preach this passage at my own church. To walk up and say, all right, listen, church, circle church, respect and esteem me. Respect and esteem your pastoral leadership team because of the work that they do. It's hard. It's hard to say that. Thank you, guest preacher. I get to say this. Part of the problem at times in the local body of believers is that people show up and think that. And here it is. Let me just say as a pastor. Um, there is a weight that comes with pastoring. It is, it is physical, it is psychological, it is emotional, it is spiritual, all the while carrying. There have been plenty of times those, your, those who labor among you are connecting with you, they loving on you, they're coming to check on your babies, they're with you at the hospital, they're at ball games, they're babysitting, they're cooking for you, all the while they got their own mess going on. And the reason that we respect and esteem them is not because of the office. The problem with a little bit in this new age church era movement is that we have a problem with respecting the title and office of pastor. Like, oh, and here's it. Pastor, we got trouble with it, too. Oh, man, just call me Vince, man. Man, just call, man you know, just call me Alvin, man. Like, it's all good. You got to worry about that. No, listen, when I grew up, when pastor came in the room, you, you stood up like that meant something like, hey, Rev, Rev here, bring out the good. Listen, there is um, friend, there is friend plates and then there are like honorary plates. Like, you know, your, your friends get your target plastic plates, right? When pastor come, he got the, you know, the good stuff. You don't want to use that much because you means you got to wash it, you know. Um, th- so this when pastor came, it, it, it signified some respect. And the problem is, is that. Because we've seen an abuse of the way people have so idolized the office of the pastor that has done the pendulum shift that we don't respect and honor him because we're scared we'll go into idolization. No, 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 no. That is your pastor. These are your elders. You should respect and esteem them because of the work that they labor among you. This is a full-time job even when you ain't working. 
Your, past, your, your, your dad's on sabbatical right now, but even while he's away, he's thinking about his people. You never get time off. You never get time off. If God's called you to this, you are constantly in labor. And if the people of God do not understand how God has sent leaders, has sent pastors, has sent elders to labor among the people, then they will be tempted to think that God, and they will be tempted to think that these people who are among their midst are just regular average day Joes. And they are, but they reserve respect and esteem because of the labor they do. Part of the, we'll do a lot better in our churches to not have burnout with pastors if people knew how respected and esteemed they were. Don't wait till your pastor's having a mental breakdown to tell them how much you love them. Y'all don't want to talk. I'm going to talk. Mr. Wall, we're going to have a talk in a minute because they don't listen to me this morning. If we do better to understand, to respect and esteem our leaders while we have them, then we won't be looking around when they have depression breakdowns and say, I wonder what happened. You've got an opportunity to do this right now. Don't wait until he's burned out to say, I love you. I appreciate you. Here's some money. Take your, take your wife out for dinner. Hey, take your family out for dinner. Hey, do whatever you need to do, but I respect and esteem you because of the work. Because here it is, y'all. Paul got a job. You know why Paul is saying you can respect and esteem me? Because I'm working. There's sweat on my brow right now. I'm laboring among you. But I'm also working. We can talk about bivocational life. We can talk about full-time life. It don't matter. Paul is working. And he's leading the people in this church and saying, those who I have left here who are going to labor among you, you can respect them because they're working. So don't get into the business of, well, you know, Brother Jared, Brother Kendrick, and Scott, and these guys, they're just, just regular guys like you and me. No, 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 no. God has called these men and women to lead you. And he's, I mean, Taylor made these folks. We don't like saying that like that because it sounds like we're talking. Oh, no, he Taylor made these folks to be able to lead and guide you and labor among you. Am I in here, church? Now, here's the thing. The text says I can't just talk to the leaders now. I got to talk to you. Okay, look at verse 13. Oh, man. Hmm. Esteem the very highly in love because of their work. Be peace amongst yourselves. I'll get back to that in a second. I don't want to deal with that before I shout. Verse 14. And we urge you, brothers, there's that word again, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Here's that word again. Uh-oh, we urge you. Hmm, okay. We urge you to find a good seat. We, we urge you to pick the missional community group that best suits us. We, we urge you to have continually something negative to say about the worship gathering. No, we, we urge you to do your part. I feel the Holy Ghost right there. Admonish the idle, 
Encourage the faint-hearted and help the weak. Now, I know I'm supposed to be building up and, stay and, and laboring and making sure that we understand the work and labor. Because here's the thing. I want to tie this into Father's Day because here's, dads, we always, when we get Father's Day gifts, it's always connected to the work that we do. If you ever noticed that, like, you know, you, what was it, ties? Like, that tie is going for something into work. Toolbox. Well, you, that toolbox, like, well, he's not a contractor. No, but you're telling him that when he gets home, he got work to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we never, we, 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 I think we need to respect that labor, but we also need to honor it with some rest. So, but, but there's the tension here. Oh, I'm going to explain this in a second. The tension here of this word idle. I could preach the entire sermon just on this part right here. But labor, labor is important because it also points out when you see what labor is, it also points what labor is not. When you see labor done rightly, idleness is pointed out quickly. Let me say that again. When you see labor done rightly, idleness is pointed out Quickly, I need to explain because the major theme of First Thessalonians is, you know, big word eschatology means theology of the end times, essentially. Okay, um, theology of the last things. So part of the reason that he's writing this letter is because there were many of the members um, had fallen asleep. The parishioners of the church had passed on. There were folks who had died in the Lord or d- died and they didn't know what that meant. Okay, um, so they wanted some explanation of Paul. When is the end? When is this going to go down? Now, listen to me. Um, I, we got to be very careful of, of, of this new age. Um, help me, Jesus. Um, new age, um, certain Christian TV channels on, that we see on cable of folks who talk about um, this is the end times. Like the signs of the times right here. We talk about chips in people's arms and stuff. We talk about certain presidents that are pointing at This is the end times. Let me, let me tell you something. This, this text written in A.D. 50. We ain't talking a good full 20 years since Jesus left. And they're talking about end times. Listen, th- this ain't nothing new. We've been feeling this. We can get back to the early church. The early church was crazy just like we are. They're talking about end times Right here in the text, because there were people, here it is, that had their theology wrong that affected the way they behaved. I feel that thing, Pastor Vince. They had their theology wrong about when Jesus was coming back and when he was coming back to get his people. Now, here's the thing. Now, wouldn't you, if you're there, wouldn't you be waiting on Jesus to come back? Wouldn't you be excited too? like he just left and he said, I'm coming back to get you. And it's like, that's right, he's coming back, y'all. But with that anticipation, there there were people who sounded, let me go here. Have you ever ran to folks that um, they they super deep, they super deep Christians? They never had a bad day in their life. It's always hallelujah, God is good, better than I deserve. John Piper quote number one and number two. Uh, Paul Washer sermon number three. Like everything is always great. You know what I'm talking about? Um, and, and sometimes these folks hmm, don't understand that there's a difference between um, 
loving your theology and then it crippling you from work. Oh, good God, mighty. Um, there's a there's, what's this difference between loving and having a good sound mind and sounding good and spooky and deep and spiritual, but then it wrongly affects the way you behave. Because here's what these things, these folks said. Here's the context, church. You know what they were saying? Huh. There were people in the community who, who not working. There were people in Thessalonica who quit their job. Huh? Wait a minute. They, not only they quit, they quit their job, okay, but then got the nerve to expect the rest of the community to pay their bills. They are not on Indeed.com. They are not fixing up their resume. They have not networked with anybody that's in their field. And they've got the nerve to expect the church community to take care of them financially while they're not working. Why? Because they were being super spiritual saying, I'm waiting on the Lord. Let me tell you what I mean by that. That means they were literally in their theology so excited about Jesus coming back that they grabbed one of these chairs, sat on the hill, and say, all right, we ready. When he coming? Now, let's talk about how they were wrong. We're here. Has he returned yet? No. So, their theology of what they thought God was real deep. How, 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 how deep does that sound? Like, ah, I can't work right now. I'm waiting on Jesus. You ever seen that before? I just... I hear you, I hear you, brother, but right now I'm just, I'm just waiting on God, waiting on a rhema word, you know. I'm just really just wait, waiting to hear him speak. just want to, I'm in the clouds right now. Just God, God, just, oh, speak God. Speak God. Here's the problem. They are not working. Not, they're not working. Here it is. Why do we make being lazy sound so spiritual? Do your job. Watch this. The exact same, this part I like, the exact same admonishment that's on the pastor in verse 12 is the exact same one that's on the membership in verse 14. I feel my help right there. The same way that the pastors and the leaders who labor are supposed to be admonishing the body, the exact same admonishment is on the membership. To admonish do what? Admonish the idol because the idol didn't want to work. Now, here's the problem. What happens when your theology gets in the way of work? What happens when what you think God's going to do gets in the way of there's work to be done? Here's what Paul's saying. I'm not mad at you waiting on Jesus to come back. But it, until he gets back, work. Now watch this. Now what does that look like in 2019 in our context? If we got to be careful, stop saying this like, I'm just, listen, I'm not a citizen of this kingdom. I'm, I'm, I'm meant for heaven. I'm heaven bound. That sounds good, deep and spooky and nice until it robs you of work in your city. I'm waiting on God. Yes, I don't live here. I'm, I'm, I'm not meant for here. I'm waiting on Jesus. But you are called to make your city look better. And so while you're waiting on God to get back, Paul says, pick up a broom, pick up a mop, wipe something, do something. We've got work to do. Admonish the idol. Here's the second thing. Encourage the faint-hearted. Now, here's the next part. Um, hmm. Paul says there are people in the church who are one text away, one phone call away, one bad meeting with their supervisor away, 
one, hmm, one bad day away from saying, forget this. Listen, I know y'all more spiritual than me, but hell, I want to say, I don't know if you following the Lord if you ain't had at least one quit day. Do I have any help in the room that says, there's been some days where I said, listen, these folks on my nerves, Jesus. If they cut their eyes at me one more time, Jesus. If they talk about my family one more time, Jesus. Like, I'm forget this. Here, here, here's what you have to remember. The problem is, is that there's going to be people in the community of faith that are going to need that encouragement to keep going. Watch this. And some of those people are those who really labor. You, encouragement of the faint-hearted are those who've had zeal before. But they're tired. You ain't ever been there. You've been following the Lord for a long time. But all of a sudden, like, I hate people. I don't want to work with these folks. Come on, y'all talk to me here. You know, I don't want to fool with these people today. Y'all, I, I'd rather fight. I, 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 I don't have it in me. Paul says to tell these folks, encourage the faint-hearted because you're going to be tempted to quit. If you are not, listen, don't get so spooky like, I won't ever quit. Uh, yes, you will. Yes, you'll be tempted to quit. Yes, you will. If it hasn't happened yet, it's on the way. The right circumstances will come up. The right person will come up. Y'all don't want to talk to me. The right money will come up, and you'll be tempted to quit. Paul says, encourage these people. Then help, help the weak. <laughs> admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak. Have you noticed right here? that this admonishing part was prophetic in nature, and then the encouraging and helping is pastoral in nature. And here, that means everybody has that responsibility. You have the responsibility to admonish people as a member, have responsibility to encourage people as a member, and then to help people. And watch, help the weak. Help people who ain't got enough to help themselves. Doesn't that connect with your mission statement? They don't want to talk to me, Kendrick. Don't that connect to what you say you want to do? Watch this. That's what I like about this text. It's active, though. It ain't enough to admonish once, Jesse. It ain't enough to encourage once. It ain't enough to help once. You do it all the time. Admonish the idol. I'm trying to get there. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Now, y'all, we're going to have to fight a little bit. This is what Paul made me mad. You ready? Be patient with them all. Paul, you got me. Paul, you, you, Paul, you got me because I, I don't like these folks. Y'all, Listen, I don't know about y'all. Maybe I need to pick up and go home, but I've had those moments where I'm like, I don't want to fool with you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to pass you. I've got nothing encouraging left to give you because I feel like every time I say this, you still ain't getting it. I, I, I've admonished you. I've, I've told you to get up and work, and you ain't working. I've encouraged you to don't quit, and you're going to hang in there. We've had a really good talk about it. And then 15 minutes later, I look on Facebook, and you were pouring out your guts to the world saying, oh, woe is me. Like, I thought I just encouraged you. Then there are people who need help. 
They need help. You know what I'm saying? They need, and, and listen, and you give them help. You give them money, and then they go broke again. I just gave you money once. I'm not giving you money again. No, it's active. It ain't enough to do it once. You got to continue to do it. Paul says there's some patience connected with this. How do I know? If God's been patient with you, you have a responsibility to be patient with those you encounter. I'm, I'm, okay, let me, let's hurry. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Let's hurry. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, verse 23. I'm skipped for a reason. You'll listen to in a second. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Now I know y'all real deep saints and y'all shout on the Bible. So I thought that folks would have been flipping over chairs and running around the building by now. Let me read this one more time. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Huh? And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. You know, like about verse 24 is redundant. He said he's faithful. Then it says he will surely do it. Man, that's good. Because let me let me let me tell you why. Okay, let me tell you why. Because. The importance of this, and here, here, here are my points. I'm sorry, Kendrick, I just got excited. I didn't give you none of the points. The first one was this. Number one, honor those who labor. Number two, responsibility for all those who labor. And then number three, allowing God to do his labor. All right, here's the picture. Now, if I only left you at the end of verse 14, here's what you would leave here doing. We've got to do more. We got to do more. I've got I've to do better at admonishing. I've got to do better at encouraging. I've got to do better at helping. I've got to do better at respecting and esteeming the folks who are among me. Like everything I put, there's pastoral responsibility and a membership responsibility. And if all I said was do more, that would be a depressing sermon. Watch this. Um, have you ever, I know that you don't have um, sometimes, I mean, kind of here, Monroe's doing a lot better in, like, you know, aesthetically pleasing things. Like, me and Parker used to leave Monroe sometimes. Me and Casey Parker leave. We were like, golly, why does Monroe stink? You know, you're like, gosh, why is everything I see just like, I'm just tired of looking at this brick wall. Like, there's nothing to look at, you know? Um, but if you've ever left and done a little bit of traveling, have y'all ever seen a sailboat in action? It's a beautiful thing. I mean, it just, isn't it wonderful? Like, like, oh, my goodness. Like, I, what are my eyes seeing? And a sailboat in, in, in action is beautiful. Now, watch this. If you look at a sailboat and how ornate it is, there's craftsmanship on the wood. Like, there's all of the, um, I don't, I don't give me, I'm not going to tell you the terminology because I don't know it. I just know it looks pretty, all right? Um, and the craftsmanship on the wood and the way it's laid out and it's built to glide on the water. Here it is, church. Hmm. Making the sailboat look more pretty is useless if the wind doesn't blow. Watch this. Look at the, look at the text. 
Now, may the God of peace himself, y'all don't even see me coming, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. You, I, I still lost you. Let me, let me get you another way. Okay, so my father, uh, his name is Alvin Smith. Um, I'm, my first name is actually Alvin. I'm a chipmunk. Um, and my, my, my dad and I, uh, when I was in high school, early college years, we banked at the same bank. We banked at Regents. And my dad's a State Farm insurance agent. So my dad has a personal account. He has his State Farm business account. Then I've got my account, all right? All in the name of Alvin. Now, um, Regions somehow deposits a large sum of money into my account. Now, I know y'all more spiritual than me. Y'all a little more deep than I am, but uh, uh, I was about to go to the mall, you know, and find me something, some shoes, something. And uh, so we got to, I was like, something's wrong here. Um, and so what happened was the regions ended up, they took a while to catch it. The regions called um, my dad, then they called me to try to verify what was going on, okay? Um, so they called, my, they called my dad, they called me. Here's a picture of what happened. Um, they called my dad, called me, here's what happened. The, the bank said, and they finally got to me and said, how did you know, how did, how did you know that I find out that this wasn't, um, you know, my checking account? Because obviously somebody made a mistake. It wasn't my fault. I didn't deposit that money in my account. That was on them. Anyway, um, so I said, how did you find out? First of all, they said, well, we looked at your account history. I'm like, that's so mean. Like, <laughs> that's so mean. You know, don't say that. Um, but here's what it is. You know, they said, we looked at your account history. We also looked at the profile of your account, and we looked at the profile of your account. We discovered, watch this, that this was not your job. We discovered when we looked at your account the way that we were able to determine whose account this money belonged to was by looking at your father's occupation and then your occupation. I feel my help right here. Y'all don't see me coming. The way we determine what belonged to you was by looking at what was the job of your father and then what was your job. And when we looked at what was your daddy's job, we realized that this don't belong to you. Church, here's the picture. You don't see me coming. The problem is, is that there are some job responsibilities God delegates to himself and himself alone, and he cannot give them to you even though your name belongs to him. Here it is, church. The, the goal of labor is useless if the wind doesn't blow. If you labor and the wind don't blow, it's in vain. If you labor, here it is, church, you can't take on job responsibilities that ain't yours. Check it out. You are not junior varsity Holy Spirit. No, you, no, 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 no. It, it is your job to be faithful, to give the call, and to allow the Holy Spirit to do the work of drawing people. We don't save nobody. Oh, man, I just preach the gospel and they got saved, brother. Like, no, no, you don't save anybody. You offer, you make sure they have an opportunity to respond. But you don't do nothing. That's not, listen, I know people in, in, in here in, up in here, employers and, and, and employees. Listen, you know the frustrating part of people trying to do your job. Like this is, this is outside of your area I don't need you coming giving leadership over something that's not your business. The Lord is saying, 
I appreciate your labor. But the reason that you're able to labor is because of the job that I do and you can't do. So church, quit getting depressed on stuff that you think ain't moving. Because it's not on you to move it. You labor and then God labors. God, I feel that thing. You labor, then God labors. I am done taking on job responsibilities that ain't mine. You labor, and then God labors. What's the text? Okay, y'all, y'all just gonna shout there. Here's where it says: Sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Here's what Paul is telling this church. I'm done here. We get ready to exercise the songs and sing. Here's what Paul's telling this church. Ready? Jesus ain't back. All right? Until he comes back, work. While you are working, And making sure that other people are introduced to this good God. I'm going to allow the wind to blow for me to do the work and that where you've been laboring. I am going to make sure that the wind blows and people have an opportunity to run into this good God. And when it's all over, I feel my help, man. And when it's all over, the God will peace will sanctify you completely at the coming of Jesus. You can be excited about his coming while you have a broom in your hand. You can be excited about his coming while knowing and understanding that there's some jobs that only he is going to do. And when it's all over, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm the spooky one. I'm ready to see him too. I'm ready to see him. He can come today. I'm ready. But until he get back, I got work to do. But then when he come, I have no more work to do. I'll say it again. Until he gets back, I've got work to do. But when he comes, he will sanctify me completely. He will surely do it. When he get back, No more preaching, no more ministry team meetings, no more elder meetings in the morning, no more going to feed anybody, no more When he get back, it's done. I have no more work to do. But he ain't back yet. What we do, church? What we do? We labor in what we can do, allow God to do what he can do, and then we expectantly await when he comes back, when there's no more for us to do except worship him forever. Amen? Let's pray. God, you have been so faithful to us. Father, even right now, God, there are folks who are in need of responding to a good God. Father, we anticipate the day when we will get a chance to see you face to face. God, as long as there is still breath in our body, you have called us to continue work. 
But God, may we not be so arrogant, so high-minded to think that the work only rests on us. Father, would you allow the wind to blow? Father, would you allow your Holy Spirit to do the work that only it can do? We need you, God. So may we respond and we be obedient to what you're speaking to our hearts right now. God, we are in need of a visitation from you. God, that encourages us to keep on, but pushes us to obedience. Help us to be obedient in the way you call us to respond right now. In the powerful, matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.